Last week and today, we've been looking at the direction of our life. Last week, we, we talked about making decisions. If we really want to see change and transformation happen in our life, what is required, or at least the key to really seeing life change, is to say yes to the things that will move our life in the direction of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Today, our passage of Scripture has some deep spiritual truths. It has a reality to it that um, is often something that we're familiar with, at least in our minds, but sometimes it's difficult to get the truth sunk into our hearts. Now, I'm a very simple man. I'm not a scholar. I don't pretend to be. And for me to understand spiritual truth oftentimes requires some visual aid, um, that's just the way God wired me, and, and so since you're here and you have to listen to me anyway, you're going to get to share in my visual aids, okay? Well, today I'm going to use some really, um, some simple things that are, are common to try to help us understand this incredible passage in Galatians. Uh, you know, it is so tempting for us that even after we come to faith in Christ, to then try to do things in our own strength, to try to perform based upon the law. And what God wants to do is he wants to transform our life, but we have to be connected to the right power source in order for it to happen. So I'm gonna use some, some simple illustrations that I hope will help this connect. And, um, and I'm gonna start with a, a simple sign. How many of you, now I know not everyone here drives because we have such an amazing public transport system here in Prague and, and throughout Europe. Um, but are, do most of you know what this sign means? This is the European version. Does everybody, if you know, just, or fake it, okay? Yeah, there, let's go. Okay, what, is this, what does this mean? Merge. What, what did you say? Okay, yeah, merge. Very good. Gets narrower. Does both, absolutely. Okay, it means two become one, Right? Two lanes turn into one lane. Makes great sense. Now I'm going to show you some traffic signs from the Americas. Actually, in the, in the Western Hemisphere, we don't have this nice, simple sign. We have a whole list of signs that mean different things that pretty much could be summarized in this, but we make it more complicated. So we have two different merge signs here in North America, and you can see them there on the, on the screen, but they're different. And I want you to, to look at the differences between sign A and sign B. In sign A, you're coming into a new direction. You're joining, you're merging, but you're staying in your own lane, okay? You're coming into something new, a new road, but you get your own direction to set. You get your own lane all to yourself. The other sign, this one right here, sign B, means that you merge into what is already there and that becomes your direction, your life. The difference between these two signs is a, the secret to living the Christ life because what often happens is we in practice come to Christ but attempt to live like sign A where we're going to say, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a life that is parallel to Jesus. I've come to faith in him, and I know he's, he's set a new direction for my life. I know that things should be different about my relationships, the things that I do, the way that I talk. There should be some changes in me. And so the direction of my life has changed. 
But what happens when we try to do this in parallel is we find out in reality what happens is our lane doesn't stay right next to Jesus' lane. If we look at this and we say, over here, this arrow, the big arrow, well, that's Jesus. That's his life. What we find in practice is we may start out there, but we have a great tendency to drift farther and farther away. And we get to a point where we look and go, where's Jesus? Where is he? And in practice, our life, the joy that we expect to have, the joy that the scripture talks about, we find it's not there because we're trying to live a parallel life rather than a merged one. You see, in the scriptures, in John chapter 15, what Jesus, the, the, the um, spiritual words that he uses for the same concept is abide in me. Have your life be merged into who I am. Let me set the direction, the pace. Let me determine everything about your life and that's where your life will find joy, fulfillment, and direction. Does that make sense? That that's what God is really calling us to do is a merged life. Well, let's, let's see a little bit more about this. Why is that merged life so important? Well, the book of Ephesians has some very important verses as well that reminds us of our spiritual condition because you and I, um, in fact, every person on the face of the earth has two spiritual problems according to the Bible. Number one is sin because sin separates us from God and it makes us in his enemy. His, in opposition to him. But the other problem that we have is that apart from Christ, we are spiritually dead. Let's look what it says in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world. In other words, the direction of your life, just like that, that sign that you were set on, was in opposition to God. The things that you did, even the good things that you did, weren't counted because you're headed the direction opposite of God. <clears throat> following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So what he's saying here is that we have a very serious spiritual problem. We're enemies of God, but more than that, spiritually, we're dead. We're not, we don't have the power within us to live the Christian life. But when we try to do it in our own strength, it results in hypocrisy. People don't see an accurate picture of Jesus. We don't have the power to actually live in obedience because we're trying to do it with the wrong resource, with the wrong power. Now, when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, what we see and what is emphasized, we're gonna celebrate this next week in communion or Lord's Supper, is what is emphasized is both the blood of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ. Both of those are aspects that, that need to affect our life directly. The blood means that Christ died for you. He offered his, himself as a sin covering to cleanse every one of us from our sin, from our unrighteousness, from that which separates us from God. But he also offered us his body. His body, his life now lives within us 
to be life-giving, to give you and I the resource to live his life. Both of those must come together. And so by faith, we often understand what it means to come to Christ and that we can't earn it. But then what happens in, in reality is oftentimes we then think it's our responsibility to live for Christ. And that's where we begin to stumble and fall. So many believers get stuck at the cross. They come to Christ for forgiveness and then try to live in their own strength. But the gospel, the good news, does not end at the cross. That is where it begins. That's where it flows from. The rest of the gospel is the empty tomb of a risen Lord who now lives inside of you and inside of me if you placed your trust in him as Savior and serve him as Lord. Only he can live a life that pleases God. And we're to live that life by faith in who Christ is right now living inside of you. Friends, if you can get that truth, that Christ now by faith lives inside of you, it will change everything about your life. You'll realize you're never alone. You'll realize that you have a constant resource and companion. You have um, the wisdom of the mind of Christ. You have every resource that you need to not only live a good life, a life that is pleasing to God, but to be filled with his very presence moment by moment. But it comes by faith. That's what we, we heard there in Galatians. Not by our acts, not by our earning it, not by our paying it back, but by faith of the reality of who Christ is in us right now. Some of you are frustrated in your Christian journey because you seem to keep struggling with the same things. You seem to keep falling into the same uh, sins, the same poor decisions over and over again, and you get discouraged because you fail. Others are disheartened because they lack joy. You know that God has forgiven you, but the abundant life that he promised seems like a distant dream rather than a present reality. And I believe most often the reason that is true is because you're trying to do this type of life, where you're trying to follow Jesus, but you're doing it in your own lane, setting the own, your own direction for your life, hoping that God will come over into your lane and bless your dreams, your desires, and your plans. But guess what? God isn't going to do that. His will, his purpose for your life is set and is good, and the only way we can experience it is not by trying to get him to come over to our lane, but to merge our life into him and into his life. Without that, we will never experience it. Now, I'm going <laughs> to get myself in big trouble now because I'm going to give you a different illustration. Um, this is an illustration of how I, I first kind of tried to teach this truth to my children. And then I, I taught it to our congregation, and, and it resulted in some embarrassing moments for me. But that's okay. Um, it, it, it's good. Uh, what I want to illustrate is uh, I did some research on the Internet, and, you know, there is so much resource out there. I was able to find a picture of myself in church before I came to Christ. And so I'm going to show you that picture of me before I came to Christ. If you'll put up the, the next picture, there, there it is. Okay, right there. That is, that is old, dead Drew. That, that's me right there um, in church before I was saved. And, and you see I have this huge problem 
And that right in the middle of my um, <laughs> life is this huge weight anvil of sin, okay? So now this is actually a picture of a bunch of ventriloquist dummies um, or be, be similar to, um, I just lost it, what? Yeah, similar to a marionette, um, except for, it was interesting, I came in and on the soundboard there was a puppet there and I thought it was like, it's a sign, I should do this. And it's, yeah, so I, yeah, there you go. Now, the problem with these things is obviously what I did is I photoshopped my face on this dummy, which was very appropriate um, on a whole different number of levels. Um, But it represents something that if you look at this puppet, you know there's nothing he can do about that weight of sin, right? He doesn't have any power to remove it, to, to get rid of it. Someone else has to come and lift it off of him. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. He did what we could never do for ourselves. But that's not the only problem that old dead Drew had. It wasn't just the sin that was weighing him down and separating from God. Old dead Drew's other problem is he's dead. There's no life in him. And so even when the sin's removed, and we go to the next picture, he's, he's there um, sitting in church but he still has this problem in that in and of himself, he's still old dead Drew, even though God has removed the sin. And so just like in a, a ventriloquist puppet, you have to have a life that goes inside of it because on its own, there's no life, but something has to go inside of it to be able to give it life. That's what Christ Jesus, I know this is, you're going, are we in children's church today? But, you know, maybe you needed that today, so I'll try to be a little more sophisticated next week. Um, We'll see how that goes. But we need life inside of us, because the only one that can live the Christ life is Jesus Christ. And when he comes inside of us, and we give him full control of our life, that's when we experience his presence and his power, and our life is absolutely transformed. You see, in my old nature, by the law, as Galatians puts it, I'm not able to be good enough. I'm not able to honor the Lord. But when I unite or merge my life with his and give him full control, it changes absolutely everything. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians tells us. But in verse four, but God being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. You see, old dead Drew is dead. But in Christ, I am a new being. And so are you. His life lives within us. And it changes absolutely everything. Now, for that to become a reality, for the Christ life to be in us, our life must be merged with his. Jesus, throughout, his, throughout the word, talks about the danger of trying to live a parallel life. If I use this, this sign here where two lanes kind of become are parallel, where we're trying to live our own and our own strength instead of in Christ, there's some danger. And what he says in the scripture is, that I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I'm simply trying to 
to live a Christian life in my own strength, according to that verse, what is it I can do? Nothing. But do we believe that? Because I know in my own experience, I know that verse here, but I try to live differently in practice. I try to do it in my own power and my own strength. And what God is offering us is a way to have real life by merging all that we are with him. And by the way, that is what ruins our witness as as Christians. That's what leads to hypocrisy. The reason why the world and the culture outside does not see an accurate picture of the Jesus of the Bible is because too often those who claim to follow his, his, um, him and to believe in his name try to live this way instead of merged into him. We try to do it in our own power and our own strength. And I can tell you both by experience and by the testimony of the world, of the word, excuse me, that it does not work. We end up becoming judgmental because we'll put out laws and and we'll reinforce the things and we'll try to judge other people and all that they hear is judgment rather than seeing the life of Jesus Christ being displayed through a transformed life, through transformed relationships, through transformed goals, through the way that we love others because Christ is living within us. It affects absolutely everything. The key is found in verse 20 of Galatians chapter 2. And let's put that verse up on the screen. And I want us to read this out loud together. This is an absolutely transformational verse. And if, it will, if you will allow this to sink into your heart today, it can change your life forever. Let's, let's say it together. I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to urge you to meditate on that verse, to let it sink deep into your heart, to see the reality of what it's saying, to memorize it. Because it's something that that when you truly understand it, it will change everything about you. The key to living a a vibrant, victorious Christian life is to be merged with Christ, to have him be our life, not to try to do it in our own strength, in our own ability. It is no longer I. Old dead Drew cannot look like a Christian. He can be painted up on the outside. Um, He can look like maybe there's some semblance of life, but it's all false. It is only when I allow Christ to take control, to be the center of my heart, to be the Lord of my life, that I'm able to live a life that honors him. He's the only one that can do it, and he invites us to come into his life and by faith to believe that he really has taken up residency in us. Now, here's the stumbling block that you and I often face is we don't feel good enough have Christ really live his life through us. We continually think, I need to clean myself up, and you will never, ever do it. You can't do it because spiritually, it takes someone who is spiritually alive to bring life into you and transform you. It is only through the faith that God himself will do it that we are changed. 
So whatever thing you're struggling with, if there's a habitual sin in your life, or if there's a, a pattern of decisions that you've made, or if there's um, a relationship or a challenge, maybe you're wrestling with, with anger, you know, there's, a, there's an emotional roadblock in your life, the way to have victory is to give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I want you to live your life through me in this area because I keep trying to change and it doesn't happen. And so instead, by faith, I'm asking you to live your life in me for you to bring about the victory in that so that you get all the credit. That's the reason that this kind of living doesn't work is because on our own, we're still trying to earn it and to get some recognition rather than say, Jesus, you are the sinner and it's all about you. And so therefore, I'm coming into you. I'm trusting what you have already done and I'm asking you to make it a reality in my life. The difference between these two is absolutely incredible when you allow him to truly become your life. Here's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus traded his life for ours on the cross. He took our place, the the death that we deserved, he died for us. He became our substitute sacrifice. He took our place, he took our pain, he took our punishment, he took our death all upon himself. And he nailed all of our sin to the cross, canceling the record so it's gone. He now offers us his life and asks us to die to self, to the old nature, to our pride, to our wanting to have our own way, because ultimately it will never lead us to him and to the joy that deep in our hearts we want, even to the relationships that we desperately want. We find them all when our life is merged with Christ. He asks us to die to self, to die to that old, hopeless, powerless nature that has no value so that we can live in him and he can live his life through us. That's what a merged life with Christ is. And in that, we get all of the benefit but God gets all the credit. That's the cool part. Here's what happens. We understand we can't come to Christ on our own, but then we try to, after we do, we try to pay it back in our own strength, and it doesn't work. That's what Paul was trying to tell the church at Galatia. Let's look at those verses for a few moments as well, because ultimately what I want you to walk away with is not some pictures in your mind, although that can be helpful. I want you to walk away with the Scripture. Now, I hope the pictures, the next time that you're driving and, and, or that you're on the bus and you look at, through the windshield and you see, you know, a merge sign, it reminds you, you know what, my life is to be merged with Christ. I hope that from now on, whenever you see that sign here in, all across Europe, that's what you begin to think about. But ultimately, what you need is the power of God's word. Let's look at what it says again. Galatians 2, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. What he's saying is, 
okay, you're trusting in Christ, and if you still sin and Christ lives within you, does that make Jesus a sinner? No. It just means that you've, you in that moment during those decisions and choices that you made, you lived out of your old nature rather than the life of Christ that is within you. It simply is a reminder you're in the wrong lane. And it's time not to pay a penalty because all that penalty was nailed to the cross, but to put your life back in his path, in his direction, in his will. Galatians 2, verse 18. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Now, Paul is addressing this first and foremost to the Jewish members of the congregation there at Galatia. Those who had grown up with the law, with the rules, with the Ten Commandments, and all of the other law that is there within the Scripture. The purpose of the law is a a gift from God that is incredibly important, but its purpose is to show us we can't make it on our own. No one can measure up to it. And therefore, it has never been through the keeping of the law that someone is justified, even in the Old Testament. Because if they could have kept the law, they wouldn't have needed the sacrifices that were there to be an example that someone else, someone who didn't commit that sin, had to pay the price, which is what Jesus has done for us. So the law does not justify us, but it does show us where we are out of alignment with who God is. It has a purpose, but keeping it will not make you um, better. It is by grace that we are saved. Then he goes on and gives us this, this key. He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, the old dead you, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He goes on to to explain it some more. He says, I do not nullify or or make void the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then, then Jesus died for no purpose. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What had happened in the church at Galatia is there were people who were coming in who were trying to add to the gospel, and they were trying to say, in order for you to have a right relationship with God, you also have to do all these things. Now, those were good things. The law, what it teaches, are good things, and they should be things that we follow, but not in our own strength and not in trying to justify ourselves, but rather as a result of Christ's life within us changing us. It no longer becomes a duty, it becomes a joy to do the things that are honoring to the Lord by his strength and by his life. And he, and he, and he says, finally, in verses two and three, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? That truth is is revolutionary when you allow 
Christ's life to truly take preeminence in your own heart and choose to follow him with all that you are. It transforms it because Christ not only covers over your sin, he wants to live his life in you. By the way, this is one of the reasons why in the scripture, God makes a big deal about our relationships and especially about marriage is because God created everything that he made to point to the reality and truth of what a life in him was like. Marriage was designed to be a gift that God gave to us um, so that we would, we would have companionship, so that the earth would be populated. But ultimately, it is a picture of God's love for us. That's why we read in Ephesians, it is a picture of Jesus' love for his church, his love for you. Whether you're single, whether you're married, he loves you as a bridegroom loves his bride. So much so, he loves you sacrificially. And, and so it's a picture of a beautiful love, a love where the husband's responsibility is to lay down his life sacrificially in love for his wife. And the wife, in, in respect and love and joy, gives her life to her husband. So it's a picture of love, but, but it's also a picture of another spiritual truth that is just as important, and this is, this is why God makes a big deal out of it. He's not trying to say, here are all the rules, and if you don't keep them, I don't love you. What he's saying is, here is where life is found. And it means this, what marriage is a picture of is two becoming merged into one flesh because it's a picture of how Christ wants to live his life in and through you and I. He wants us to become one with him. So in all of the noise that we sometimes hear about, about some of these subjects and, 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 and the debates that we have, remember the ultimate purpose is to point us to where life is found in Christ Jesus. And it's incredibly important. God wants your relationship to be a picture of his love for us and his life in us. Everything about you and I. When we get frustrated in the Christian life, it is most often because of compromise. We want to give Jesus some areas of our life while we still hang on to things that are precious to us. But you can't both be merged in him and driving in your own lane. You can't both be parallel and merged at the same time. It's one or the other. Because Jesus will not compromise. I, in my own flesh, I want to hang on to my pride. I want to look good. I want people to be impressed with me. But if I realize the truth that I have been crucified with Christ, what do I have to be prideful about? The only thing I deserved in and of myself was death. And yet, God has given me the riches of his blessing, of his presence. And he's given it to you as well. He has lifted you up to a greater position than anything you could ever achieve in your own power and your own strength. He says you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He has merged your life with him. And as we looked at last week, the real you, the, the who you are, the deepest part of your identity, your dreams, your hopes, your character, your name is all hidden in Christ. So here's the thing. We get all the benefit and Jesus does all the work. 
everything that you really hope for because the fear is if I give everything to Christ, I'm going to lose part of myself. And that's absolutely false. It's the only place where you'll find out who you truly are and the worth and the value that the God of the universe says about you, that you are loved, that you are precious in his sight, that he has given his life for you because you mean so much to him. But we live that out when we merge our life with him. In my own flesh, I want to claim on to my possessions. I want to find security in, in, in my bank account, and in um, my reputation, and in my abilities. But the truth is, all those things were gifts from God to begin with. And if I give those back to him, that's when I'm truly free to be able to use them, enjoy them, because I'm recognizing he is the provider, the giver. He is the one who gets the credit. We get frustrated because of compromise And so my challenge to each of you is this year, choose freedom, the freedom of having your life be merged with Christ, and you will experience joy. Now, and I'm not promising you that that the circumstance of your life will be all that great. It may be terrible. The the testimony of the scripture is is often ones of, of suffering for believers, but always with joy and with the promise that God says, even this cannot be compared to the glories that will be revealed in you when Christ Jesus comes. That's his promise of his goodness and as of his love. Freedom comes when we let go, when we stop compromising about our decisions and give complete control to God. And here's something I've learned to pray that, that's been different in recent years. I used to always pray, God, enable me to live for you. That sounds like a good prayer, doesn't it? I discovered it was wrong. Because even in that prayer, my pride is still trying to get the credit. Instead, I pray, Lord, would you live your life through me? I give all that I am back to you. All my dreams, all that I am, all that I will ever be, I give that to you. Live your life because I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. That's where freedom comes, in a merged life. In a merged life, one of us is dead and one of us is alive. Jesus Christ is the one who is alive. Here's where I want us to to wrap up today and and, and end with this challenge. It's It's a simple truth, but I hope that the depth and the meaning of it, that the Holy Spirit will allow it to sink into your heart today in a fresh way. You see, the question we have to ask is who's living inside of me? Who is it that really is setting the direction of my life? It's making the choices that's determining my plans. Is it me? Is it the old dead Drew or the old dead you that has no power in and of themselves because you need life for that? Or is it Christ in you? Whose life am I nourishing? Am I feeding 
the Christ life within me? Am I spending time in his word so that he becomes more and more a part of who I am and his word begins to penetrate my mind and, and guide and direct my decisions? Or am I simply focusing in on the things that I want, on entertaining my life, making it comfortable? Whose life rules over my tongue, over the things that I say? Am I saying things out of emotion and response or am I saying things prompted by the life of Christ through his Holy Spirit within me? Whose life rules over my finances? Whose life directs my relationships, my decisions? Whose life controls where I go on my computer, what I look at? Whose life controls my attitudes? whose life controls my eyes, the way that I look at others, the way that I react with them, the value that I see in them. Am I looking at them as God looks at them or am I comparing myself to them? You see, when our life is merged with Christ, it changes everything about us, every aspect. It changes our view of others, changes our view of ourselves and it leads to incredible freedom. So today, what I wanna do is simply put that verse up on the screens and invite you to not just read it, but to pray it, to make it a reality in your own heart and life and, and ask the Lord to enable you to live it. There's a, there's a prayer that we have on the, on the screens there that um, if you'll just go ahead right here. I want you to take a moment it's simply a prayer of, of Galatians 2.20. And if, and if you're at a point where you want to see God change the direction of your life, I want to challenge you to pray this prayer right where you are. You can do it quietly. You don't, it, this isn't putting anybody on the spot. It's simply a challenge for us to discover, God, are you really who you say you are in your word? Are you really alive in me? If so, I want it to become a reality. So let's just take a couple of moments and be still. And I want to encourage you, either it's in the bulletin that you have there in the sermon notes or it's up on the screen. If you're willing, I want to challenge you to pray that prayer to the Lord in your own words right now. Amazing God, you have been so good to us. pray that you would help our minds and our hearts to understand your immeasurable generosity and grace. Help us to understand the fullness of the gift that you have offered us. Lord, reveal to us areas in our life where we're in your way because we're trying to live parallel instead of merged into who you are. We're trying to be independent. Well, that's the very definition of sin. It's trying to be independent of you. So would you reveal those areas of our life that you want to transform, that you want to change? And Lord, would you make this verse a reality in our hearts and lives? Have your way in me, Lord Jesus. Direct my life from this day forward. Give me the faith 
to believe that you really are not only with me, but that you have taken up residence within me. Live your life through me, Lord Jesus. That is our prayer. Thank you for what you're gonna do in us and through us. Lord, I pray that you would set hearts and lives free today. By the power of your word and of your Holy Spirit, you would bring transformation. And Lord, that maybe we'd be able to look back on this day, on this prayer, and see the miracle that you've done in us individually and in us as a church. Thank you, Lord, that you're making this a reality. It's not just a spiritual truth. You're making it an experience. And Lord, we thank you for that. By faith, we trust in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' great and mighty name. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you, if, you wrote, if you prayed that prayer or something like it, because I want to encourage you to write it down and begin to, to say, to, to look and see what God's going to do in your life in the upcoming weeks and share that. Share what he does. Share how he changes the direction of your life. It will be an encouragement and blessing to others, I promise you. When we build our life on Jesus Christ, when he becomes our life, when we're merged with him, that's where we find immeasurable treasure, incredible joy, purpose, direction, and especially his love. May the Lord bless you. Let's sing and worship together, build my life.